All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at my house at Sackville Ship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on, excuse me, I'm sorry, it's not on there. Everything is a seed. So, excuse me, while that's coming up, you know, everything is a seed. That's what we're talking about. I'm going to bring it back up on the screen. Apologize for that. And just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at myhouseofsackleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, channel Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm distracted to the screen's not up, so let me get it up there real quick. I apologize about that. Coming up, apologize about that. Don't mean to start off uh, on a rough start there. Um, here it comes. series and we're going to go ahead and just jump right on in this morning despite distractions this morning. So we've been talking the last four weeks. Now everything operates under the principle of the seed. This is not only true in the spiritual realm, this is true also in the physical realm. In the spiritual realm God created the natural. He created the natural laws. Okay? And so it's true not only in the physical but it's true in the spiritual. And we're going to see this morning how God uses the natural to illustrate how the spiritual works. Okay? It's an allegory, if you put it, want to put it that way. But it's not only true in the physical realm and spiritual realm, this is also true how the kingdom of God works, as well as it's also true how the, 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 the uh, power of darkness works. Okay? Everything is a seed. The things that we think, the things that we say, the things that we do, our expressions, our body language, the things that we hear, uh, our attitudes, the things that we worry about, the things that we have faith in, the things that we trust in, the things that we influence, and the things that influence us. Uh, I even talked about how we pay our bills. It can be true even in the business arena with marketing. Okay? It also true not only what we say and do, but also the things that we hear. This is true with giving, sowing, and reaping. It's a, it's a natural law. If you sow corn, you, you're going to get corn. You're not going to get tomatoes. Okay? Monkeys beget monkeys and dogs beget dogs. Okay? It's true in the natural realm, but it's true in the spiritual realm, too. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you put a lot of seed out there, you're going to get a lot of harvest back. If you just put a few seeds out there, you're going to get a few back. It's just how it works. Okay? God created in the natural realm. But it's true in the spiritual realm. But it's also true not only regarding faith, which we talked about last week. We spent a whole hour talking about the seed of faith. But it's also true with the Word of God. Because the Word of God is a seed. And that's where we're going to be spending most of our time this morning. Unpacking the Word of God being a seed. 
this message is not just about the Word of God, but it is obviously we are a church, we are a pastor, we are discipling you in the Word of God, so we're going to talk about the Word of God as being a seed. But again, this can work in both sides of the fence. But we are going to, we are going to now, we're going to take our, our uh, binoculars and we're going to focus, we're going to focus on, we're going to zero in on, talk about the Word of God being a seed. Okay? And again, it's how the kingdom of God works, but it's also how the power of darkness works. Every seed carries within itself the nature of a source. It says in Genesis 1.11, one of our key verses, is that, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the earth that you'll seed, and the fruit tree that you'll spirit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth and it so. So every seed, let me say that again, every seed carries within this nature, within the nature of a source. Within every dog is a dog seed. Within every monkey is a monkey seed. Within every ladybug is a ladybug seed. Okay? It, 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 according to its kind. Okay? And whose seed is in itself. Every apple has an apple seed. You're not going to find an avocado seed in your apple. It's not going to work that way. Okay? So every seed according to its kind. Whether it's of the kingdom of God or whether it's of the power of darkness. Whether it's a natural or spiritual Every seed according to time. What do you do with seeds? You plant them. If you want them to grow, they don't do any good on the shelf. You can say you have you can say, say you have millions of seeds, but if they're just in a bag or in a shelf or in an envelope. They're not going to do anything. Okay, that's not its purpose. The purpose of the seed is to get a harvest. Now, of that harvest, you want to gather some of the seed in return so you can plant another crop. If you don't have more seed, then you just have a one-time harvest and you won't have a continual harvest. Does that make sense? So if you want a continual harvest, you're going to have to keep planting seeds time and time again. Otherwise, you've got a one-time crop. Okay? And so, <coughs> excuse me. We also look at some verses, and we're looking at some of these again this morning, but in Mark 4.26, and we'll spend more time in chapter, Mark chapter 4, in just a few moments. But God, but Jesus said, the kingdom of God is that a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow and he himself does not know how. We're going to unpack this a little bit more in just a few minutes. But this is how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works like a seed. I'm going to make some ma very major points this morning, but if you don't understand this whole idea of seed time and harvest, you can't understand how the kingdom of God works. And you're going to be frustrated because you're like, why is it not working? So understanding this simple principle of a seed is key to understanding how the kingdom of God works. But it's also how the power of darkness works, too. Okay, we're going to be talking about the Word of God, which in context of Mark chapter 4, the seed is the Word of God. In context, we're going to see that in just a moment. But the kingdom of God works like a seed. So if you want to understand how the kingdom of God works, we can break it down very easy for you. Understand seed, time, and harvest. That's how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God does not work outside of this principle. Jesus spent a whole chapter in Mark chapter 4 talking about how the kingdom of God works. He also said from Luke's point of view, now the parable, now the parable is this. We're talking about the parable of the sower. We're going to be looking at it from Mark's point of view. Is a seed is the word of God. 
And we're going to be looking at this morning how the, the Word of God is a seed. It's like a seed. Or the seed is the Word of God. In the parable, the seed is the Word of God. So in everything we're going to be talking about this morning, we understand that everything is a seed, but the specific seed that we're going to be talking about this morning is the Word of God. And these parables that we're going to be looking at in just a few moments. Okay? <clears throat> everything in the kingdom of God works according to this principle. I want to say that again. Everything in the kingdom of God works according to this principle. This goes also back to the seed of faith that we talked about last week, because everything in the kingdom of God works by faith. And faith is a seed. Okay? And so, everything, whether you need healing, whether you need provision, whether you need uh, wisdom, any, everything in the kingdom of God works by this principle that we're going to be delving into this morning. I spent the first two weeks talking about how everything is a seed in general. I spent last week talking about how the seed of faith, and I could have spent a lot more time with that. And this week I'm going to zero in even a little deeper, and we're going to talk about how the seed of God is a word. Okay? And so, everything, and, and because everything is a seed, and specifically the Word of God is a seed, what we're going to be talking about this morning, everything in life needs to be sowed with the Word of God. Our minds need to be sowed with the Word of God, our bodies, our emotions, our actions, our expressions, our giving of our time, of our money, not just our tithe, but also our offerings and our almsgiving. Okay? We, uh, we, our, our faith needs to be sown with the Word of God, our attitudes, what we trust in, what we influence, and what we're being influenced by. Even our bills and our finances need to be sown with the Word of God. What we hear needs to be sown with the Word of God. Mark said it this way, and <coughs> excuse me, Jesus said it this way in the book of Mark, and he said to them, take heed what you hear, and in Luke's version says, take heed how you hear. We need to take heed what we are hearing, and we need to take heed how we are hearing it. And we're going to tie this principle into uh, specifically the Word of God, because in Mark chapter 4, we're going to see this moment, it talks about the Word of God. The Word of God is a seed. Okay, that's the context. So we don't want to take it out of context. In context, it's talking about the Word of God and the seed. We can apply this to anything, take heed what you hear and how you hear it. But specifically, we're going to, in context, when he made the statement, he's talking about the parable of the sower. And we need to talk, we need to take heed what we hear. We need to take heed. Are we hearing the Word of God? Are we hearing other stuff? Are we hearing man's philosophy? Are man's interpretation? Are we hearing the Word of God? And we need to keep how we are hearing it. Just because you're hearing the Word of God, are you hearing it with an attitude? Are you hearing it with being being teachable? Okay? Are you hearing the Word of God mixed with religion? Are you hearing the pure Word of God by the Holy Spirit? Take heed what you are hearing and take, take heed how you are hearing it. Are you hearing the Word of God, but it's only an hour a day or, or 15 minutes a day or one hour a week, but... The rest of the week, the rest of your life, the rest of your day, you're hearing all a bunch of other stuff. Then I want to say, even though you're hearing the Word of God and you have a diet of the Word of God, and that's good, it's not enough. You've got a lot of other seeds being put, put into your garden. I mean, for instance, let's just say you had a garden, okay? And in the garden, you put all kinds of all kinds of weeds and all kinds of this and that. But in one little corner, you put a, 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 a tomato seed. 
What's going to grow in that garden? Not tomatoes. Okay? You might have one little sprout of a tomato and the whole garden full of weeds. What's in your garden? What are you putting into the soil of your heart? What's dominant there? You need to take heed what you are hearing as a dominant thing, and you need to take heed how you are hearing it. Okay? Just because you are hearing the word of God doesn't mean it's dominant in the soil of your heart. Are you hearing me? Okay? And so we need to make sure that we are, we are taking heed the word of God and making sure that it's dominant in our heart and our lives. Okay? But that's in, and also Matthew 13, 23, that's a little bit of review still. Right, actually, before I get there, let's go back real quick. Our spirit man needs the continual influence of the word of God. Okay, this is review again. Because the continual influence of the word of God is how our lives are transformed. It's how our minds are renewed. It's how our bodies are healed. It's how our finances are increased, and it's how the kingdom of God is expanded. We need the continual influence. It can't just be a one-time thing. If a gardener or a farmer just planted one time a year and one time in all his life, he's gonna ha he might have a good crop if he planted well, but if he doesn't plow and harvest again, I mean plow and plant again, he's, he only had a one-time harvest. We need the continual uh, 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 harvest. Okay? And now I'll tie that in a few minutes again. But Matthew 13, 23 says, But he who receives seed on the good ground, again, it's talking about the parable of the sower, but this is Matthew's uh, translation, is he who hears the word, again, that's the seed, that's what we're talking about, and understands it, and who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, or some sixty, or some thirty. Okay? So a lot of that is review as we're talking about the, the power everything is a seed. And again, our key verse, that every seed produces according to its kind, whose seed is within itself. So like I said this morning, we're going to focus on the Word of God this morning. And we're going to, we're going to take our microscope and we're going to, uh, we've looked at how everything is a seed. We're talking about the seed of faith. And now we're going to zero in even, even further because where does faith come from? The Word of God. And so we're going to look at specifically the Word of God being a seed. Okay, in our lives. Now, as I go into talking about the word of God being a seed, the word, the, the word of God, the, the word seed, that word seed, S-E-E-D, in the New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, is used 44 times. Okay, that word seed is used 44 times. And all 44 times, when that word seed is used, used is the word sperma where we get the word sperm, okay? I'm not going to talk about the birds and the bees today, but it's where we get the word sperm, okay? So when you can't have a baby until, unless a sperm, a seed, is sown into the womb of the mother, okay? There has to be a conception of a seed. There was only one virgin birth, and you're not going to be the second, okay? There was one virgin birth, and that was Jesus through Mary. And there's not going to be another. Okay? Everything is going to have to have, every child that's going to be born, there has to be a sperm that has been uh, uh, planted into the womb of, a, of the mother. Okay? It has to be conceived. 
to give birth. So if you want to conceive a miracle, there needs to be a sperm out of the Word of God. Are you hearing me? Okay. If you want to conceive a miracle in your life, financial, physical, uh, relational, in any way, shape, or form in your life, you must first plant the Word of God in the soil of your heart. You can't have a harvest without the seed. The supernatural seed is the Word of God. The soil is your heart. And conception can't take place without the first of planting this. This can't happen in the natural realm. And this can't happen in the spiritual realm. Remember, everything's a seed. Whatever's true. Excuse <coughs> me. This principle of seed time and harvest is true in the natural realm, and it's true in the spiritual realm. It's a natural law, and it's also a spiritual law. It's how the kingdom of God works. It's how nature works. And who created nature? God. How did God create nature? He spoke a word of seed. And it had a harvest. It was done. Okay. So, this principle works in the natural, it works in the spiritual. That's why I spent two weeks talking about that. Am, am I making sense? If you're having a hard time wondering why it's not working in the spiritual, then you need to consider the natural because it works the same way in the natural. You can't have a harvest without the conception of a seed. <coughs> Just because that seed is conceived, that seed also needs to be watered. There's a growth process. There's a gestation process. There's a, there's a germination process. And you can't abort that process. You abort that process, you just kill the seed. Okay? That's how it works. Okay? So, and because people don't understand what I'm trying to convey, this conception process, okay, many people pray and are frustrated, wondering why their prayers are not being answered, because they're missing the seed at conception. You can't have a harvest, you can't give birth to something if you don't have the conception to begin with. Am I making sense? It's a principle. It's a natural principle. It's a spiritual principle. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives us three different parables in the same chapter. The main parable is the parable of the sower, but then there's two more parables he gives. And all three of these parables that he gives, and we're going to be looking at those this morning, these three parables illustrate for us how the kingdom of God is to the word of God the same way that the seed is to a harvest. So I want to say that again. In these three parables, it illustrates for us how the kingdom of God is to the word of God as a seed is to harvest. And these three parables include the parable of the sower, the parable of the growing seed, and some Bibles you might call it something different, but it's a parable of the growing seed. And the third one is the parable of the mustard seed. So the, the last two parables are very short in the book of Mark, but there's three parables in the, in the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4, has three parables. 
The first one is the parable of the sower, the second one is the parable of the growing seed, and the third one is the parable of the mustard seed. And all three of these parables are about the seed. All three of these parables are about the word of God being the seed. All three of these parables is about the soil of our hearts. And all three of these parables compare the word of God as to compare the word of God as to the kingdom of God as you compare a seed to harvest. Okay? So the same way that the, the seed is to harvest, so is the word of God to the kingdom of God. In all three of these parables, that is illustrated. Okay? So let's look at the first one. I'm not going to read it in its entirety, but the first one is called the parable of the sower. I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to spend a little more time on the parable of the sower because this is the parable of all parables. Jesus said this though regarding the parable of the sower in Mark 4:13, and he said to them, "Do not, do you not understand this parable, the parable of the sower? Because how then will you understand all the parables? If you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of them." So this parable is key. So we're going to spend more time on this parable specifically next week. We're going to zero in one more time. We're going to have the Word of God, but we're going to look specifically at the, at the parable of the sower next week. Okay. But I'm going to highlight on some things this week. Okay. This parable, understanding seed time and harvest, understanding this parable is key to unlocking the Word of God in your life. Unlocking the kingdom of God in your life. Am I making sense? If you're frustrated because you don't see the kingdom of God or the word of God working in your life, then you need to go back to this parable. Because this parable is key to unlock what is missing, what's not working in your life regarding the kingdom of God and the word of God. The answer to your frustration, why it's not working, is in this, this parable. This is a key. What does the key do? It unlocks it. And if it's locked, something's not unlocked. Okay? I know that sounds very profound, very simple, very elementary, but it's just true. Okay, so it's a parable of all parables. I want to say this again, I've already said this this morning, but Jesus compared the Word of God to the law of nature. God created the law of nature. So I'm not mocking the law of nature because God created it. Okay? Why did Jesus compare the Word of God, the kingdom of God, to the law of nature. Because it's unchangeable. It's going to work the same way for everyone, every time. It's going to work the same on every continent. It's going to work the same on anywhere on this planet called Earth. I get it. Some seeds may not grow in colder environments, and some seeds might not grow in warmer environments, but the principle of seed time harvest is the same in all of the Earth. The same way that you, you have a child is the same way in every continent on this planet. The same way that uh, uh, bugs and animals uh, reproduce is the same all over the planet. Okay? Might be making sense. The principle is the same. Some seeds don't grow in certain environments. I get that. We're not talking about that. Don't, don't, don't undermine, undermine that. Okay? But another reason why Jesus compared the Word of God to the law of nature, or the kingdom of God to nature, is it's not an institution of man. Man did not, the, the law, the physical and spiritual law of seed time and harvest is not an institution that man created. God did. And because it's an institution that God created, it can't be compromised. It can't be cheated. 
It can't be manipulated. It works the same way for everybody, everywhere, every time. It's a law. It's a law of nature. It's a law. It's a spiritual law. Okay? See, <coughs> you can cheat or manipulate nearly all systems man has created. For example, the legal system can be beaten. I'm not saying there's not... But the way the legal system is supposed to work might be somewhat pure. But people have beaten the legal system. We have seen in society where the guilty are made free and the innocent are imprisoned. We have seen that on both sides of the spectrum. The point I'm trying to make is a system of man called the legal system can be compromised. It can be manipulated. It can be cheated. The educational system can be beaten. We have people all the time passing students who never learn the material. The educational system can be cheated. I'm not here to bring that down, even though I have a lot to say about that. I'm saying that a system of man can be compromised. But a system of God, seed time and harvest, in the physical and in, in the natural and in the spiritual, cannot be. And that's one reason, one of the main reasons God uses nature as our example, as our allegory, as our parable to teach us, to illustrate for us how the kingdom of God works, how the word of God works. Because it can't be compromised. It can't be, it can't be manipulated. Am I making sense? So you can trust it. It's a law. Okay? It doesn't play favorites who have to cooperate with the law for it to work. You can't change seed, time, and harvest. <coughs> Excuse me. People, you know, farmers have run through the years different ways to mass produce the, you know, the sowing of seed, the plowing fields. They have the machinery found out efficient, more efficient ways to harvest crops. But what they can't manipulate is the word called time. Okay. They can't change that. Okay. And again, through these parables, we have to remember that the Word of God is the seed. Okay. And when you have a seed, you will have a gestation process. You will have a germination process. And the key word there is process. And that process is called time. There's also a growing process. There's a growing cycle. And we're going to look at that in just a few moments. But the law of seed time and harvest cannot be violated. It cannot be compromised. You can't buy it. You can't cheat it. You can't cheat the system. Because if you try to cheat the system, you actually just aborted it. Okay? So that's the first parable. We're going to spend a lot more time with that parable next week. The second parable I want to highlight uh, this week and today for us is the parable of the growing seed. Now some of your Bibles might label this a little differently. But it's the parable of the growing seed. And we see that one in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 27. We've actually looked at this a lot, all four weeks, this ver these few verses. It's actually Mark 4, 26 to 29. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is that a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. We'll look at the other two verses in just a minute. So remember, again, the seed 
All right, she will read it down and we'll come back. And for the earth yields cross by, by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then after that, that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Okay, that's the parable of the growing seed. We'll look at the second part in just a minute. Okay? But keep in mind that the seed is, in context, because we're still in Mark 4, is the Word of God. Okay? And the soil is our hearts. Okay? That doesn't change. In all three of these parables, that doesn't change. It's all in context. It's all within, it's all uh, continuation in these parables. The parable of the sower is a parable of all parables, but these other two parables in the same chapter piggyback on the other parables. Am I making sense? <clears throat> he, he changed the parable, but it's really the same context and it's really the same. It's still talking about seed time and harvest. Okay? Hopefully that makes sense. Keep in mind, remember I said that God created the seeds. Oh, he created all the seeds. According to Genesis 1.11. He created the Word of God. He is the Word of God. Okay? Make sense? He also created the soil. He created the earth. He also created our hearts. He's the one that instituted the, the natural the principle of seed time and harvest. He also created the spiritual principle of seed time and harvest. The spiritual created the natural. He created both. But he also created our hearts. So that, let me just say it this way, our hearts were created by God to bring forth fruit. Our hearts are like soil. Just like the soil of the earth. God created the soil of the earth to produce crops, produce the harvest. He not only spoke to the seed, he spoke to the soil too. Am I making sense? But those two have to be married. There has to be conception. The seed can't be in a bag. It has to be in the ground. The sperma can't just be in the male. It's got to be in the female in its right context. Okay? And I just, what I just said is a natural principle but also a spiritual principle. Okay? I'm not going to go much deeper than that. Okay? But our hearts... Both spiritual and physical. But I'm talking mainly about the spiritual right now. We're created by God as soil to produce fruit. I want that to sink in for a moment. God created the seed, His Word, and He created our hearts to receive that Word and produce a harvest. This is true. And sometimes we're frustrated. Because we're not seeing the results. Because this has never gotten in here. Are we aboard? I have water and I'll build on that in just a moment. See, when, when the Word of God is planted, it should, when it's planted in the heart, it should produce according to His kind. Whatever it promised, Whatever it commanded, whatever that word says, it should produce. And it's going to come from the heart. Because it's sown in the heart. The heart is not the source. The seed is. But the seed needs to get into the heart. The soil is not the source. The seed in the soil is the source. But that seed cannot germinate and gestate 
front and the back. This can't germinate gestate if it's on the shelf. It needs to be in your heart. It's good that your pastor knows it, but you need to know it. You need to understand it. It's good that your pastor is using it, but you need to use it. You need to abide in it. You need to allow this word to get into your heart. And the parable of the sower gives you four different types of soil of the heart, and we're going to unpack that next week a little bit more. Am I making sense? Just as the seed needs to remain in the ground to germinate over time, so does the word of God need to abide in us. We're going to step away real quick. Look at John 15. If you abide in me, in my words, that's the seed, abide in you. you. Here's the harvest. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And many people have been frustrated because they have not seen this happen like they should, like they want to. And then because we don't see it happen like we desire, we begin to spiritualize this. Well, this must mean something else. I think he was pretty clear. Because in context of John 14, 15, 16, six times he says this. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He mentions this elsewhere. There's about eight, eight or nine different times where Jesus said, if you ask anything, I'll do it. And we have spiritualized it through the years. We have... We have, uh, through religion, we have, because we haven't seen it happen. We haven't seen it happen because we're not doing this. We're not letting his seed abide. We're not abiding in his seed. We're not letting his seed abide in us. Okay? What would happen if you dug up the seeds in your garden every morning to see how they're working? You plant tomatoes and corn and some fruit trees, some uh, all kinds of different flowers, and every morning you go out there and dig them up to see how they're doing. How would you go, how well is your garden going to produce? It's not going to. You're going to kill it. Because every time you dig it up, you just aborted that seed, and there won't be any fruit. See, you must have faith. That the seeds are doing what God created them to do. God created the seeds to produce according to his kind who seed is in itself. You can't go out there every morning and dig up the, your garden and your crop to see if it's working. It doesn't work that way. By doing that, you actually just kill the seed. You're aborting it. Okay? And yet some people... They get God's word in their hearts. They hear a message like this. They read the word of God in devotions. But then, and because they don't see something happen immediately, within a day or two, they're digging that thing up by their words and by their actions. And they are digging up the seed of God's word. And they ask, why didn't it work? Why didn't it work? You dug it up. Okay? You didn't, you didn't abide in it. Like I said, I abide in it for two days. You try planting corn in two days and see it grow. It doesn't work that way. 
You gotta let that seed abide in the ground until it finishes its course to produce a harvest. According to its kind, however long it takes for there to be a blade and head and corn in the head. Okay? We need to buy. But many times we dig it up immediately because we don't see a result. You need to have faith in the Word of God that you're praying on, that you're speaking, that you're saying. When you say to this mulberry bush to be moved, when the mountain to be moved, you need to have seed and not dig it up and believe it and abide in it and, and it be, not be settled in your heart. You need to have faith in the seed. You need to be faith. What's the seed? The Word of God. Even from a natural point of view, you need to have faith that God said that seed, He already commanded that seed to produce. A foolish farmer is going to go dig up his crops every two days because he doesn't see his harvest yet. It doesn't work that way. He needed to go be apprentice for another farmer for a season to see how you do it. And you don't dig up your you don't dig up your crop every two days. Okay, you just don't do that. You have to leave it in the soil over time. You need to let it abide. In the vine. Over this thing that we don't like called time. Patience, endurance. See, there's different there's different stages of growth in this whole thing called the gestation process and germination process. Okay, Mark 4 28 says it this way: for the earth yields crops by itself, it doesn't need your help. Yeah, you might need the water, you might need to give them the right sunshine, <coughs> but the earth produces by itself. You don't, you, you don't need to get in there and wiggle your fingers around. You don't need to do anything. First, the blade, then the head, and after that, the full grain in the head. Okay? I mean, this is right in the middle of these three parables, in the second parable. Because many people are impatient. Many people want to bypass the growth cycle and they want to go right here. You know, I can take this on so many different levels. I know people through the years who they want to be in ministry. They want to be right here producing a harvest to a church or a ministry, but they don't want to spend any time being discipled and growing up and maturing in Him in all things. Getting grounded in the word of God. Paul says we don't lay hands on man suddenly. We don't put a novice into ministry. We don't put someone who's not grounded in the word of God. Yes, we're all able ministers, but we're not all pastors and teachers. And I know some people my some people through the years who want to to jumpstart get into the ministry without Allowing the seed of God's word to grow and the, without a root system and being established in the word of God. And a lot of times we're not going to see our harvest. I'm switching gears now, back to what I was talking about. If we don't allow there to be a root system and being grounded in the word of God. And how do you get grounded in the word of God? It's this day called abide. And that takes time. Can you have a miracle? Yes. 
And a lot of times, if you live a miracle to miracle, you're living from problem to problem. But I understand something that you need a miracle to jumpstart the thing. But what's better is that you are abiding in Him and you're living in divine health. You're living in divine provision, and you don't need miracle to miracle. I get it, you might still need a miracle from time to time, and maybe to jumpstart the thing. <coughs> but one thing about a miracle, miracles are awesome. But one thing about a miracle, there's no root system. Okay? I'm not bashing miracles. We all need some miracles. Okay? But we need to live in divine health and divine provision and not just living from problem to problem, from miracle to miracle. And a lot of times you're not going to see miracles if you don't, you don't already have a root system of letting the God's word be in your heart. Let me say that. We say that. You're not going to see miracles on a, on a consistent basis if you don't have a root system. Okay? Hopefully I'm making sense. There's a process of allowing the seed of God's word to grow and germinate and gestate. Okay? See, everything I'm trying to describe to you through the simple principle of seed time and harvest. It's a very simple and yet profound system that God created in the physical, in the natural, excuse me, but also in the spiritual. Because this whole process, this whole principle, is how the kingdom of God works. And if you don't understand this simple principle that Jesus spent a lot of time teaching, Matthew spent time on it, Mark spent time on it, Luke spent time on it. Jesus taught this principle. You won't understand how the kingdom of God works. You don't understand how your prayers get answered. And you'll be frustrated. It's why many don't see God's best. Because sometimes they even have this attitude. They go something like this, God loves me. And God will grant my request regardless if I put the miracle of the seed to They can be frustrated. Jesus didn't just teach this because it made a nice parable. Jesus was given us keys to the kingdom. In Matthew 18, he talks about the keys of the kingdom. In other places as well. But if you understand this, folks, you understand how the kingdom works. And you apply this in your life, both spiritually and physically, you can do exploits in the kingdom of God. Because you understand how the kingdom of God works. You'll have so much faith because you know it's always going to work because it's the law. It's called the law of faith. It's called the law of selling and reaping. It's called the law of the kingdom. It works. It's this simple. It's this, but it, this simplicity is powerful if you understand it. With it comes in patience and, in, and endurance. But there's a harvest because he knows it's going to be there. A, a good farmer in the natural point of view knows there's going to be a harvest when the season's ripe. He's counting on that to feed his family and to fill the supermarkets with food and produce or whatever. But we have to know, we have to understand 
how this works. Now, Jesus, I'm gonna, we're going to get to the third one in just a moment. But Jesus, after he gave all three of these parables, I'm going to jump ahead just a moment. After I give all three of these parables, we haven't, got, we haven't touched the third one yet. I'll touch that in just a minute. He asked his disciples, do you understand the things I'm teaching you? And they said, yes. <laughs> like most of us do. Yes, Pastor, I understand exactly what you're saying. Well, then, it was time for a test. Now, you've got to remember, these were disciples. What's a disciple? A student. They're learning. Okay? Now, there's going to be a storm. Jesus didn't cause the storm, but he knew the storm was coming. And he was going to give them an opportunity to practice what they just learned. He gave them three parables of how the kingdom of God works. And now let's, well, let's take this for a test drive. Okay? Jesus didn't cause the storm in your life, but he knows the storms are coming. In the last days, there's going to be many storms. They're going to be happening in these last days. Some of you are already tasting it. But if you understand how the kingdom of God works, no matter what is coming across, no matter what you endure, this principle will work. Okay? Making sense? But also, let me just preface this by saying this too. If there's sometimes a parent who have a child or a teacher, or maybe a babysitter or an adult who's watching a child. Maybe they're trying to build something with blocks or trying to repair a toy that just kind of came apart naturally and can separately put back together and work, whatever the case might be. If you ever get that young toddler and that young, young child who they don't want the help of the parent, they want to do it themselves. And sometimes the parent, even though they can help, they got to watch their child struggle trying to put it together. Because they are learning by, by that struggle or whatever. And a test drive. The parent could easily come and help and, and put that toy together or build that block or, or whatever that thing is doing. But they're, they're learning. They're frustrated because it's not working like mom and dad were doing it. Or they can't fix it. But they're trying to, they, they want to prove that they can do it. Am I making sense? And sometimes just the parent will just sit and watch and watch them struggle, not to be mean, but as part of the exercise of teaching that child of how to get it done. Does that make sense? And sometimes problems come in our life. God's not the author of the problems. But one thing I'm trying to get at, he's given us the keys to how to solve the problem. And some of us, we have the attitude, I got this, God, which is pride. And he'll just sit and watch us struggle with it. When he could easily fix it, more, more importantly, he told us how to fix it. Am I making sense? Okay, I mean, maybe I need to teach this again. Naturally speaking, have you ever seen an adult watch a child struggle trying to do something when the child says, I got this, let me do it myself. And sometimes issues of life in our life, and we blame God for bringing the issue, and God didn't bring the issue, life happened. But he, told, he showed us, he gave us the tools of how to fix it. We can always cry out to him for help, but sometimes he watches us as we struggle doing that on our own without the, without the principles he just gave us to do it. 
and without his assistance. He's not sitting by just being mean. First of all, if he's sitting by, well, sometimes because we haven't invited him. But also, he's also watching us struggle, not to be mean, but we're like that toddler who says, I got this. And we're not using the principles that he just taught us. You're going to see the disciples struggle here in just a moment. As he just taught them how the kingdom of God works. And I'm not picking on them because we're just like them. In the boat of our lives, we're struggling too. In Mark 4.35, Jesus says, after he's been teaching all day, he taught disciples all day. He says, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And we're going to go for a boat ride. What did he say? Let us go over to the other side. Notice what he did not say. He didn't say, let us go halfway and drown. God said, does God ever say anything he doesn't mean what he said? Does God ever say something? And well, there's a hidden meaning in there. Let us go over to the other side. Now, in Mark chapter 4, we want to keep everything in context, right? What's the seed? The Word of God. Is the Word of God the seed? He just gave us seed. Let us go over to the other side. What was the seed? Let us go over to the other side. Okay? In context, he said, take heed what you hear, take heed how you hear. Are you following me? He gave him a seed. The word of God is a seed. Then Jesus, the word of God, not say something. Or was he just mouthing off something? Let us go to the other side. See, the disciples had a seed from the Creator that gave them authority over the creation. I want to say that because this will help you when you find yourself in the storm. The disciples had a seed from the Creator that gave them authority over the creation, the storms, the waves. Jesus has given you, who are listening, a seed. The Creator has given you a seed to use that authority over the creation. Regarding healing, regarding provision, regarding whatever storm you are facing. See, this two-hour trip, it should have been two-hour trip, became the fight of the lives. Instead of using the seed that he gave them, they wrestled on that. He just gave him three parables how a seed works. He gave him three parables how the Word of God is a seed. And instead of taking that seed, he used it. And some of you might look at, there's no seed in there. This Word of God is a seed. 
Okay. Some of us are still not getting it. But, sorry, cracking up here just a moment. Instead of using the seed, they wrestled in the natural. And some of us have been wrestling too long. It's time to use the seed and get over to the other side. Some of you have been fighting all night for months or years in the middle of your sea, wrestling all night when it's time to get to the other side. See, in Mark 4.30 it says, it says, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, <coughs> And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? How many times have you come to God in the middle of your rocking in your boat, saying, Jesus, God, don't you care how we're going, what we're going through? Now, you got to keep in mind, he wasn't in some nice cabin inside the boat. This was an open boat because the previous verse said there in a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into, into the boat. The waves beat into the boat. So that was already filling. There was water sloshing around. This guy's sleeping. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't aware of what's going on. I mean, I don't know about how many of you can sleep with water sloshing all around you. I mean, this was not some jacuzzi. Okay. Why was Jesus sleeping? Because he said that we're going to go to the other side. Jesus ever lied? Has he ever tricked you with a carrot? Bait and switch? Okay. He was well aware. Now they wanted him to help out, and I can kind of go with that. That was my thoughts through the years. You know, we the show that Sherry and I we like, it's called Heartland and the, the, the main uh, father figure, the grandpa, Jack, he owns the ranch. And every once in a while they would bring someone in and free room and board for a season for a little while. And I remember in one particular episode he said, if you board here, you pitch in. Everyone's going to help. Everyone's going to have a show. Everyone's going to do something. If you, especially if you're boarding here for free, free boarding, uh, room and board, you, you board here, you, 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 you uh, I think he said, you buck here, you pitch in. Okay? Different for paying guests, but if, if, you, if you buck here, you, you pitch in. And that, I think that was kind of disciples. Why don't you help out? Get a bucket, get some water out, whatever you got to do, you know? We care that we perish. But this is Jesus' response. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He spent all day talking about faith as a mustard seed. He spent all day talking how the kingdom of God works. And some of us have been fretting, just like disciples, because we've been fearful. We've been walking by fear and not by sight, not by faith. We've been walking by sight and not by faith. Why do we have no faith? He 
just been talking about faith. He asked him if he had understood these things. In other words, what I see here, just like with the feeding of the, of the multitudes, he expected them to calm the storm. He expected them to calm the waves. Why? He gave them a seed. We're going to the other side. You're like, well, then you're just reading into this. I don't think so. Why do you have no faith? Why are you operating out of fear, not faith? Because faith will move mountains. He just said, you can speak to this mountain and it will move. If you can move mountains, you can calm a storm. If you can move mountains, you can, you can, you can calm the waves. say nothing will be impossible for you? See, Jesus gave them the seed, the word of God. That was his job. God's job, Jesus' job is to give you the word. What's our job? What was their job? To take the seed and make it work. Jesus' job is to give you the seed. Your job is to take that seed and make it work. Freely you receive, freely give. Make it work. Take the seed that God gave you and make it work. Instead, they doubted, they not only doubted the word, they doubted Jesus' love for them. Don't you hear the sound? Don't you care? That were perishing. They doubted his love. See, God had done his part. He gave us his word. Seed is our job to take that seed and put it to work. Are you following me? It says in Deuteronomy, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get well. That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers. I'm hoping you're following me this morning because the power is in the seed, the power is in the word, the power is in his promises. And we can put his word, his promises into action to get what we need to do so that he can establish his covenant that he swore to our fathers as it is to this day. God has given us his seed, his power, his source, his word, and we are to take it and put it to work. As we plant his seed, as we plant his promises, as we plant his word into our hearts, it will gestate, it will germinate. This is how prosperity comes. This is how healing comes. This is how wisdom comes. It comes because we take God's word, we take his promises, and we plant it. Am I making sense? This is how provision works. This is how health works. This is how wisdom works. This is how God's word works. This is how it all works. 
excuse me, it says in Proverbs 4.22, and his word is life to those who find him and health to their flesh. It says in Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Do you see the seed and the, and the harvest? Yes, we have, in the, in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we do have another, another faith by the same Spirit and unto another gift of healing by the same Spirit. Yes, we have people who have the gift of healing. Okay? That's another topic. And we can have that. And we can never be too proud to ask God for help. But the proper way to get healed is to take, take God's promises on healing, plant them in your hearts until they release the power, the life-giving power they have. The proper way to receive provision is to take God's promises on provision, prosperity. Plant them in your hearts until they release their life-giving power. You water them by the word. He, he sent his word to heal them. He sent his word to prosper them. I can dig that up in scripture too. Am I making sense? We need to take the seed, the promise of God's word, and put it to use. How do you use the seed? How do you use seed? Can I plant them in the ground? Is there more than one way to use seed? You plant it. You water it. You nourish it. And it on its own produces the harvest. You put it to work. <coughs> See, this whole thing that I'm talking about, seed time and harvest, it's a law. It's a natural law. It's, a spiritual, it's also a spiritual law. If we plant God's word in every area of our lives, in our hearts, in every, in every area of our hearts, regarding every area of our lives, financially, physically, relationally, wisdom, direction, and we allow the seed to germinate and mature, I'm talking about maturity right now, we will reap the fruit of the harvest. You can't have a harvest without the, 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 the seed growing to maturity. A child can't have a child. They have to mature. Every animal, every insect, every plant, every crop has to mature to have a harvest. That means they have a root system. But I need a miracle now. I don't have three months, six months to wait for a harvest. That's why you need to be abiding in him at all times so you can have a harvest whenever you need it. And yes, you might need a miracle now. You might need a gift of healing now to someone else's offering now. Yes, you might need a financial miracle now to jumpstart. I'm not, by, I'm not batching that. But going forward, you need to abide in God so you can receive a continual harvest of your own. Am I making sense? Because maybe you haven't been planting, you didn't plant a seed. And you haven't been uh, a nurturing that seed. You don't have anything in the bank right now to harvest. Am I making sense? That's what you need a miracle. But going forward, we can apply it. Disciples have been walking with Jesus for a little while. They said they understood these things. 
And I mean, it was in this ministry when Jesus, he sent them out by twos. He sent them out to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. And they were doing it. Why would they do it? Because there was seed in the ground. There was seed in their hearts. <coughs> this is how the kingdom of God works. Am I making sense? See, what I'm saying is very simple. We need to know God's word. We need to plant the seed in our hearts, conception, long before you need the food harvest. A farmer will plant seed weeks and months before he needs that harvest. He doesn't say, I need a harvest tomorrow. I better go plant some seed today. It doesn't work that way. But we need to know God's word. We need to, we need to plant that seed in our hearts, which is conception. And that long before, we need the fruit of the harvest. But if you abide in him, you have a continual relationship with the word of God. Your fields will always be ready for harvest. Your fields will always be ready for a miracle. Your field will always be ready to do what God calls you to do when you need to do it. Now remember too, I also said that this works not only in a natural way, but this works in a spiritual way too. If you get God's word in your heart, you can produce miracles. You can calm the storms. You can feed the multitudes. You don't need, you're not getting seed, you're not getting spiritual seed in the ground to get a, a natural heart. You can do a, you can do a miracle. Oh, I'm making sense. Don't forget I'm wearing right now. But if you get God's seed, which is a spiritual, a miraculous seed, you can start having miraculous miracles anytime you want them. To do what God's called you to do. He's giving you the power to do so. Jesus expects you to be able to do what he did. Walk on water. Turn water into wine. Feed the multitude. Curse the fig tree, move mountains, just like he did. Am I making sense? How did Jesus do this continually? He was always spending time with the Father. He didn't do anything he didn't see the Father do. See, if you have a habit, a lifestyle, of planting God's word in your heart and watering that seed, it can be a difference between life and death when you need it. It can be the difference between prosperity and poverty. If you have a lifestyle of abiding in the vine, whenever you need some grape off that, grapes off that vine, the fruit off the vine, it's already there. You're not asking, Jesus, do you not care? No, you're letting Jesus take a nap while you speak to the storm. How many times we're asking Jesus to do what he told us to do? Jesus already provided it. He gave us the source. He gave us the power. He gave us the power of eternity to do it. And we're asking him to do what he told us to do. And we're wondering why he's quiet. If you told someone to go do something and they ask you to do something you told them to do, 
Wouldn't you be quiet? Wouldn't you be just so perplexed you don't even know how to, how to answer that? Now let's look at the third parable, the parable of the mustard seed. It's still in context here. Almost out of time. But in Mark 4, 30-32, just then he said to what shall we like in the kingdom of God? On what parable shall we picture it? So he talked about the kingdom of God. Same context. Same chapter. It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground, it is smaller than all the seeds of the earth. But when it is sown, key word, it has to be sown. It grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs. And shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. So, to what should we like in the kingdom of God? It's like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds. But when it's sown on the ground, when it's sown, it grows and becomes greater than all herbs. It's the greatest herb. Okay? So much that birds can actually make a nest there. So again, mustard seed is tiny. But the kingdom of God stands out very small. I mean, after I make reference. The kingdom of God starts, starts very small, nonetheless. In other words, it's not visible when it's first planted. When you plant something, you can't see it. It's covered in dirt. It's underground. But just because it's underground doesn't mean the germination process hasn't started. You can't get dig it up. You dig it up, you just killed it. See, just because it's underground, you don't see anything on the surface growing upward yet. The roots are growing because the seed is abiding in the ground. You might not always see the fireworks in your life, but you are, because when you are, when you are abiding in God, when you are abiding in Him with the relationship with God, you might not always see things on the surface. But if you are learning how to have a relationship with God, the roots are growing. You're becoming established. See, many want the visible. Few want the roots. We all want the visible. But few of us want the roots. See, without roots, growth can't be sustained. You can't have a church. You can't, you can't have a harvest without roots. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. It might be like a seed. See, if all you're wanting is the visible... All you're wanting is miracles, but you don't want relation, we don't want that relationship with God. You are despising the day of small beginnings. You don't want to take time planting that seed. You don't want to take time watering that seed. You don't want to take time being discipled. This church is called Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Discipleship takes time. And through the process of discipleship, you might not always see Visible seed. And so many people come to us, they want to, to be like Captain Coleman. 
They want to be like Andrew Womack. They want to be like Charles G. Lake. John G. Lake, excuse me. They want to be like Wigglesworth. They want to be like Billy Graham. But they don't want to do what they've done. And what they've done, they do, they spend a lot of time in the Word of God. They spend a lot of time praying in the Spirit. They spend a lot of time with the relationship with God, abiding in Him, and they've seen results. They want to see the harvest that these great men and women have done, but they are inspired in small beginnings because they didn't start there. They started by planting a seed and nurturing that seed, and it grew into a whole forest. And these men and women are grounded, were rooted in the Word of God, in a relationship with God. And they saw miracles. They did exploits. They had crusades. Because they despise the day of small beginnings. The kingdom of God is like the seed. It's a small seed. It has a very small beginning. But when it grows, it's one of the greatest herbs. Once it's sown. See, you can read, King, for example, Daniel chapter 2, how the kingdom of God will fill the earth. I'm not going to go there this morning. But the Word of God talks a lot about our growth. In Acts chapter 9, says how Paul increased all the more in strength, proving that Jesus is the Christ. In Ephesians 4.15, he says, But speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. In 2 Thessalonians, he says, Because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you abounds towards each other. That's growth. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow up, grow thereby. Second Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I can go on and on and on, but we need to grow up. You can't grow without roots. And when you grow and you have a root system, you will be ready in season and out of season. To do exploits in his name. But it starts with a seed. It starts with abiding in him. It starts with the seed being put into a heart. You need to have a regular diet of the word of God. No acid. No, no one's successful. Just popped out of bed one day and won a gold medal. But they had to endure. They had to they had to work for it. A farmer doesn't just go out one day, oh, there's a harvest. I've been planting disease. How did that, where did that come from? It didn't work that way. Okay? A seed must grow. Let me say this. A seed must grow downward before it can grow upward. A seed must be nourished and grow and have a root system before it can grow up. The root system is not visible. The root system is not visible. What? What Catherine Coleman did in private is not visible. What's her relationship with God? What Wigglesworth did in private between her and him and God is not visible. How Andrew Womack and his relationship with God is not visible. What John G. Lake did in private with God is not visible. What Billy Graham did in private with God is not visible. 
But all of these people, what they did in private with God was essential to the fruit that came out of their lives. It was essential. Not like with our own lives, but the lives that they touched. See, we'll get into the parable of the sower next week. But in Mark 4, 16, says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But there's no root system. And they didn't bear fruit. And we'll get into that next week. as well as other ones. And you see how the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. There needs to be a root system. We're going to look next week at the parable of the sower. And we all want to be the soil that produces 160 and 34. It's the same word of God, four different kinds of soil. And we don't, can't understand that parable. We can't understand any parable. And if you're not seeing prayers answered, if you're not seeing the kingdom of God work, you need to go back to this parable because your key is there. You are one of the different points of types of soil. Maybe different stages of your life, you become a different soil. How can, how can you say different stages? Well, farmer. I mean, this crop, he had a very bountiful crop. And the next crop, he didn't treat it very well. And he might have had one of the other stages of growth. And all different stages of growth. Okay? Am I making sense with that? There's different seasons of my life. There's some seasons of my life where I was just connecting and things were doing good between me and God because I was... Me and him were just one. And there other seasons in my life where I know that I was slacking in my relationship with God and the fruit of my life was also slacking. That make sense? We're talking about everything is a seed. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all a seed. What are you, what's in your harvest? What's in your field? What's in your heart? But we get the word of God in our heart. We can do what Jesus expected disciples to do. Calm the storms, move mountains, feed the multitudes, raise the dead. If we will get the word of God in our heart, the answer to your problem, the answer to what you're struggling to is a thing called a seed. And you will plant it. And you will harvest it. But many of you want to harvest without planting anything. Many of you want to harvest without watering. You're planting something. Either you're planting your own fields, doing your own things. You know, the book of Jeremiah talked about how you, many people will build wells, um, their, their own wells. Are you building your own well? Well, you know what God's called you to do. Okay? And so, anyway, this is not to hurt you, this is to help you. But whatever you are in life, whatever season you are, whatever's going on, and how do you how do you know how you're doing? What's in your field? You can tell by your crops, and that's talking spiritually right now. I can go out outside right now, look at the grass, and if it looks dry, it's not getting enough water. If it's lushy green, it's healthy and doing well. If I never have to mow it because uh, it's not growing. Well, it's not growing. It might be alive, but just existing. 
But if I have to mow it, why do I have to mow it? Because it's growing. It's healthy. That makes sense? How do you know if something's healthy? Now, you can tell if something's healthy. I can tell within a few minutes of talking to someone if they are in a good place with God or they're not. I can tell by my own attitude at times. What's going on? What, what, uh, in other words, what, what source have I been chewing on? Have I been chewing on the flesh? Have I been hearing the wrong voices? Have I been hearing the wrong things? You can tell after a while, it just comes out. It comes out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? You're gonna, you will harvest whatever's in your soil. If it's nothing, nothing's going in. If it's bad stuff, bad stuff's going in. I mean, there's some people who, they come to me, they want to be in ministry, but the junk that they're listening to, the witchcraft stuff that they're listening to, I'm not going to put my hands on them so they go preach their witchcraft stuff to other people. <coughs> I can tell by what they're listening to. I can tell by how they're talking. They're listening to a bunch of junk, and therefore they're going to teach a bunch of junk. Okay? I'm not putting them down. They just need to clean up their act. They need to be like, I think it's King Josiah, Josiah and clean up house. There's some idols they need to knock down. There's some things they need to uproot, and they need to get back into the Word of God, and they will see success. I hope that makes sense. If you don't like your harvest, you need to change your seed. But if you have God's word, just like the second, if you have God's word, you can take that word and you can change your circumstances. You can move some mountains, you can feed the multitudes, you can do exploits in his name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. And go plant some seeds and go get ours.